Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my delightful friend Amber. And this is The Road to Tarvalin. Today, episode seven, Deus de Mar. What uh, an episode. Many uh, plot twists, many shocking revelations. Yeah. Where are we, what are we feeling with spoilers today? You know, last week when we recorded and I was like, let's do spoiler free. I felt like it lacked, like, just the go craziness of our recordings. So I'm saying full spoilers this week. Okay. Does that work for you? She has spoken. I have spoken. Here, here. Here, Okay, good. Yay! I don't want to hold back on anything. I want it all. Let's start off with the beginning. Mm. The Mm. flashback 20 years ago. (sighs) Why? Why are they so good together? Like, <laughs> I just, I believe. They are until they aren't, I guess. <laughs> right? But like in that moment, I'm like, oh, oh, you love each other. That's just so beautiful. And then, of course, because it's Wheel of Time, that love gets like all kinds of fucked up. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So they started off the episode with our our favorite <laughs> joke of all time. It's going to be the best Beltine ever. Right. It was not the best Beltine ever. No. Anytime there's someone saying, we're getting, you know, we're planning our retirement. Things are going to be great. Our life is going to be awesome. Can't wait to be your fish wife. Yeah. Red flag. You right. know immediately that something very bad is going to happen. Yep. And stars, stars in the eyes equals bad things are about to happen. Yeah, I mean, the whole city is celebrating. You know, the Aeol War has ended. This should be like a moment of joy, and it is for them until it isn't. How did you feel about Gatara and the prophecy? Was it what you expected? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Like, I feel like she had the appearance of Gatara. Like, I felt like that was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. But excluding the Amarillan seat, like, to me, changes so much of the story that we get in the books. And then when she's like, tell no one about this, like, that's shifting that responsibility to individuals alone and giving them no options for assistance that could have proved very beneficial. So, like, in New Spring, you have the Amarillan looking for, like, what, the five strongest Aes Sedai to, like, go out and, like, look for the Dragon Reborn. It wasn't just left to them. Like, they kind of took it on themselves. So that part kind of, like, felt really restrictive. That was about it. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that part, like, how keeping the Omerlin out of this equation really changes things. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, in New Spring, that Omerlin dies, so, I mean... I guess it doesn't change too much. Yeah, because almost every other sister that gets involved is also killed, right? From what we know, like the the letters that go out to the other Aja members. Yeah. They all, for the most part, get got. The thing that struck me is that when I saw this moment and they opened the door, I'm like, here it comes. Right. Oh boy, here it comes. And I was really like preparing myself for the weight of this moment, like Mm. spine tingling, earth shattering, just, you know, like the the sky is falling. Like this is the moment that just kicks off everything in Mm -hmm. terms of Moraine and Swan's story. Yes, yeah. So I almost expected more of like like a horror aspect Mm. to it, something that was much more dark and much more intense yeah and what we got was something much more soft and quiet and intimate and maybe somber oh yeah 
I don't have a problem with that. Right. But my own headcanon got in the way of what I thought would have been better. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel you. But on I that. guess like when you have Haley Mills, like Haley Mills does her role, does her lines, like you call cut. It is what it is. Like you, you go with whatever she delivers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's a veteran. Yeah. I can't really pick it apart other than just, oh, it's not what I imagined. Yeah, like <laughs> even the delivery of like the, he cries like the thunder or whatnot. Like for me, that's such like a grand moment. And like you said, it was almost like, oh, it happened. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe the baby is born. Yeah. He cries. Oh, Good night. Yeah. I'm, do- I'm done now. And now I die. And now I die. I found the inclusion of the fight scene with Tigrain from season one cut into this scene. I found it distracting. I did too. I did too. It just doesn't feel like the same show. Like there's been so much that's changed in season two that it was almost jarring to go back and forth between the two moments as they were happening. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Like Christian says that he found it distracting too. Cool. Not to jump around too much. I don't but mind. But this <laughs> was, I feel like the one flaw of this episode, I don't want to say one, but like the, the, the one bigger thing that kind of struck me is that we are hopping around from big big moments like mm-hmm. moraine swan the dragon reborn like the prophecy yes their relationship moraine's relationship with land yep we've got this really meaty part of the story that is steeped in like this really heavy hitting emotional feeling mm-hmm. like it's a tense tough time yes. for these people yeah and what has happened when they did these little cuts? It's not just with Tigrain because that's the first one. But then we got these other scenes with, I think, two or three with Egwene. Three. Mm-hmm. The same with Perrin. The same with Nynaeve and Elaine. Mm-hmm. Same with Matt. Mm-hmm. So we had these little, like, jump scenes mm-hmm. where, on one hand... I'm, you know, I love Moraine and Swan. Like, I mm, love this mm-hmm. story. Yeah. But I didn't quite have the emotional impact mm. because I keep hopping from one place to the next. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, like, when we did get to Egwene, Nynaeve, Matt, Perrin, I found myself kind of losing interest what was going on with mm. Rand, Moraine, and Swan. So it was really, like... I loved all of these moments, but in hindsight, it would have been better if there was more. And you can't do that in eight episodes. So I felt like this episode, they had to really fast track everything, move everybody in place to get to the point where they need to be so that they can hit all of the plot beats and then get to the finale. Yeah. And... Man, I, you know, I would have loved, would have loved to see a little bit more of Egwene's Damani training. I would have loved mm-hmm. to see a little bit more planning and mm-hmm. back and forth with Nynaeve and Elaine and oh my gosh, loyal. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't even get me started. Like, all of these little moments were great. Mm-hmm. But it was like, oh, it's just so fast. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in a whirlwind right now. So I yes. wasn't really absorbing it. I agree. I think they were able to put a lot in those moments, but they were very fast and very short. And in some ways, like I understand for like the television show, it almost has to be that way. Like you want to keep everybody's attention. You kind of want them to be on their toes. But at the same time, it minimizes our character development moments. And I feel like some of those could have been way better. Like for me, the scene that felt really fast was Landrin and Barthanas. It was like, 
And now it's out that he's a dark friend. It's just like, boom, there it was. And I was like, wow, there's like no drawing that out at all. Like, just here we are. (laughs) Barthanus is a dark friend. Well, because the episode title was Deus de Mar, I assumed Mm -hmm. that the game of houses was going to be this whole episode. Like, I thought it was going to be the main theme of the episode. Yeah. Versus... 30 seconds. What I <laughs> right, what I feel is like the main plot beat of the episode, the main theme is the relationship with Moraine and Swan Sanche, mm-hmm. which that's fine. You know, like a title of the episode is just a title that it's whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, like regulating my expectations, I'm like, oh, right. okay, that's not what I expected. Yeah. I do want to say all of the scenes and the plots that we got, mm-hmm. except for maybe like, one or two mm. I really enjoyed uh-huh. like I really liked what they presented in terms of the story yes but also as someone who loves the show I'm like oh could it have been a little bit more mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean I wouldn't fight that no not at all like Christian put it in that this could like in chat put it in that this episode would have been a great one and a half hour movie and I agree like that's how I think for like the upcoming season finale i'm like are you gonna make this an hour and a half because i feel like you have to how are they going to cram everything into the next episode if they only keep it at like an hour yeah (sighs) but yeah like i felt like the game of houses like it felt really just like it didn't feel like there was a lot of it i mean maybe maybe there was an assumption that with the way that the Aes Sedai were behaving like perhaps that was supposed to be Deste Mar-esque. But in, like, for me, I was like, oh, they're just being Aes Sedai. So I don't really know. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's fine. I think with this episode, I would say the biggest observation in terms of pacing mm-hmm. was that it felt too fast, mm-hmm. especially in combination with the last episode that was just in my opinion, almost perfectly paced. Mm -hmm. With Egwene and her treatment and her capture and everything like that, Mm -hmm. it felt like this really slow roll, Mm -hmm. like, but it was really intense and you felt a lot. Yeah. Now, with this episode, it's like, oh, complete opposite. So when you back those two up together, it's like, okay, I I feel a difference here. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, (laughs) like, eight episodes you gotta you gotta get it done yeah and i've heard from non-book readers Mm -hmm. who said that they liked this episode the most Mm -hmm. because it felt like you were just getting all of this action like all of these loose ends Mm -hmm. are getting tied up and it really feels like all right this is just a head start like running towards the finish line full sprint ahead so i can understand where this observation by non-book readers would be something totally different mm-hmm. than someone like me. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, in some ways, this is, this is, like, how the books go. You pull all those threads together for the one big moment at the end. And so, in a lot of ways, it feels true to the story, even though there are pieces that are, that are still missing for me. Like... The whole Min and Matt thing, like, at first I was really excited about it, but now I'm just, like, <laughs> disappointed. Like, poor Min, and, like, she's not in Falm. Will she get to Falm? I don't know about that, Mini Min Min. I think she she might not be. Yeah, same. Like, I'm like so is she just stuck in Kyrian now by herself? Like... We hit another point with her where if she's still stuck in Kyrian, I mean, do you think Ishamayel might choose to bring her to Falm the way that Lanfear did? It's possible because he might want her visions yeah. or a tool for himself. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's possible. I mean, we had that whole, like, Mac gets knocked out again. We're just beating people's heads and knocking them out to, like, get them to places how many concussions per season (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, seriously. And then, like, later when Elaine, like, beats that soul dom, like, right on the head. I mean, I get it. I get it. Two more concussions. Concussion count running. <laughs> I was just like, guys. I mean, you didn't have to knock Matt out. If you were forsaken, couldn't you have just, like... Bound him in air. Yeah, and, and like, created a blindfold for him. Like, they did that all the time in the book. So why knock him out? It just... It seemed unnecessary. Okay. This is... I I hate to be so blunt about the knockout count. Yeah, but I want to hear it. (laughs) I mean this in the most respective way possible. Yeah. Knocking someone out to get them, like, fast moving to another location. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a teensy bit lazy. Yes! (laughs) Like, in terms of writing, it's like, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to get this one person over here? Hit them over the head with a brick. Okay, perfect. perfect. Like, it's... (laughs) let's come on guys come on come on (laughs) no i totally agree like that was exactly my thought i was like really that's what we're doing to matt all right i don't want to harp too much because there were things in this episode that i loved Mm -hmm. first off already talked about barthanis so glad that we got the revelation there so much fun we have moments small moments by characters that were just amazing. Yeah. I mean, talk about a fun moment. Loghain, when Lan goes to meet with him. Yeah. And we have this whole exchange. Yeah. Alvaro Morte that plays Loghain is mm-hmm. just stellar. So Every good. time he is on screen, I'm just like, you know what? It would be cool to see more of that guy. Yes. His whole little like this is what the not looks like dance was yeah. amazing. Yes. I've watched that and rewatched it and replayed it multiple times because I, I can't that. get enough. <laughs> Cracks me up. When he it reminds me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I, no, I was just going to say when he says that whole uh, madness is expecting a straight answer from a man that you locked away. I like. I literally laughed out loud and clapped my hands because I was like, yes. I mean, what a moment of clarity from a man that everybody is like saying has lost his mind. And I was like, you got him. You got him. I loved it. I'm so excited and maybe a little bit scared, you know, for his character moving forward. Mm -hmm. Because if he does get sent back to the tower, oh, that's going to be rough for him. Actually, everyone who is going to be at the White Tower for next season, it is going to be rough. It is going to be a mess. I don't think it's likely we will have any of our young women back at the tower. Really? If we keep with the speed that we're going. Where do you think they'll be instead? Well, I'm just saying, like, at this point, after Falm, I don't think we're going to go to the Stone of Tear. I think we're going straight into the Shadow Rising. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll waste. going to the Waste, uh, Nynaeve and Elaine to find the Black Aja. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have to get rings. They have rings. You know? Right. There's no point to send them back to the tower mm-hmm. and do what they already did this season. What are they going to do? Take more classes? I mean, right. there's no real point to bring them back there. So I think it'll revolve around Juan oh, Sanchez and the downfall of the tower. Possibly Min gets taken there. I don't know. It, it could or could not happen. Who knows? We might get the Trikond boys showing up there looking for their sister. We'll get Elida. Mm-hmm. Like, it's possible that we've got a really cool tower plot line, but we just spend much less time there yeah. next season. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Tatara says, can you talk about how Lan figures the not thing and not any channelers? I don't know. I don't think that anybody is looking to find an answer for Moraine, so why would they? I read a bit of an article earlier today that said that Loghain's talent in the show is that he can see the weaves of other male channelers. And I wasn't aware that they were making that something that, like, only a handful of people are capable of doing. Yeah, I don't remember if in the books male channelers, all of them can see each other's weaves. 
Yeah. And I know with the women, they can, but. Yeah. Andrew and I actually talked about this for a minute with like Land figuring out the not thing. And I think, I think the hint is in the fact that Maureen hadn't wanted to kill herself. And that. Correct. Okay, yeah. And then Land was like. Because <laughs> he asked her, he asked her that. Yeah. And I'm going to go chat with Logan now and bait him with a key. Seemed kind of mean of Lan. But okay. I mean, he got what he wanted. I mean, there's no lost love between. <laughs> <laughs> no. Lan and Logan. No. No, not at all. But I do think it would be weird to send the girls back to the tower just so that they can do tear. I. I think at some point we will get a calendar, but I don't know if we're going to have time for it yeah. next season. Mm-hmm. Because think of all of the things that they have to get done. Right. Yeah. The Aya Waste, the Two Rivers, yep. the Black Aja. Yeah. This book really is really formulaic in the same way the next one is. Yeah. Like a lot of the same stuff happening. Yeah. For me, I'm like, but they had to do the accepted test and how put that in chat too. But like the main thing that comes out of them doing the accepted test is the ring. They pretty much leave right after that. There's very little that they actually do in the tower versus what they could do outside of the tower. They already have access to rings. So I can see skipping the tower, skipping the accepted test. I mean, we don't even see their accepted tests anyways. They happen off page. Yeah. And we've already seen an accepted test. So like doing it again, is there a point to that? I don't really think so. Yeah. It seems like a waste of time if you're trying to hit other plot beats to redo. Like, oh, this is what the accepted test is like. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like we already know. It's cool. You don't need to repeat that. You could spend the money on special effects and sets and costumes on something else, and I think it would still run really smoothly. I actually kind of like that idea of, like, jumping to the Shadow Rising. One, it's one of my very favorite books of the series still. And this introduction to the Aiel that we've gotten, especially in this episode, like the Aiel in this episode, (sighs) that was fun. Painful, but fun. And so I can see, like, we've had our appetite kind of wet for the Aiel, if you will. And pushing into the waste just kind of makes sense. They're the people of the dragon. The Aiel are really important. I'm glad that we've got a little smattering of, like, Aiel stuff. Even if it's just, like, a few casual, like, Mm one-liners. Like, you know, typical Aiel sayings and stuff like that. Where it's like, I'm getting the background. I'm getting to understand Mm -hmm. what these people are all about. Yeah. But what I think is going to be the fun part of the Aiel story is when they start opening it up and it's not mm-hmm. just, oh, three maidens who, right. you know, fight. Yes. Like, it's not monolithic. Yes. There are different societal mm-hmm. ideals. And, I mean, they're not all the same. And there is infighting. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to play up. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to completely cut all of the dragon reborn. Yeah, neither do I. But what I do think is that it'll be much more in line with the Shadow Rising Mm -hmm. in terms of like how this season, they're like, oh, it's kind of like book two and book three combined. But really, it's like the Great Hunt, Mm -hmm. but with certain characters on their dragon reborn plot line. Yes, yeah, I agree. And I can... I mean... Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have to get, we've got Tom in the next season as well. So I do think that there's going to be some interesting things there. Mm -hmm. We've got to meet the Tracons and Elida and stuff like that. So, like, it's, you know, like there's going to be bits from the first three books, I feel like. I was just having a thought about, because someone put in chat, like, the end of book three for the dragon. Yeah, Felix said. So not wanting to skip the end of The Dragon Reborn, I would not want to miss that either. It's 
a really fun ending to the books. And I was like, well, maybe they could do it like after Rand has gone to the Waste and he brings the Aiel, Aiel, excuse me, to the Stone of Tear. But then I was like, but then what about Kuladin and Kyrian and all of that stuff? So then I'm like, where would you put that battle if we jumped into the Waste? You can't, I don't think. Yeah. And I mean, let's be real, like... Do we really need like another battle with a Shamael like, again? True. Like, how many times are we going to do this, guys? Right. Once every season, apparently. Yeah. I just don't see it. I'm sure there are going to be bits of the third book in there. But in terms of like the big finish, no, I think it's going to be the big finishes for the Shadow Rising. I mean, they've built the two rivers. Like, they're not skipping that whole parent plot there's no way yeah you don't build a whole set back from it being burned right. down just to be like oh we're just gonna go there <laughs> for like one episode and it's the same thing what happened this season so we yeah. had three major sets right yeah we did Falm, we did kyrian and we did the white tower yeah so you have to look at look at it in terms of like okay how many new sets are they gonna build yeah we can always go back to tarvalin it's there kyrian i'm sure like they could still get these interiors, like the castle inside of mm-hmm. Moraine's estate, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I don't know if the Forgate survived Lanfear's uh, I'm going to save my boyfriend catwalk <laughs> of destruction. <laughs> and then the Falm set, I don't think we really ever need to go back there yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope. No. That's it. No. So in terms of like looking at costs mm-hmm. and looking at what's possible mm-hmm. and where you could go mm-hmm. and what you could do, mm-hmm. I'm thinking the two rivers, I'm thinking the Iowa Waste, mm-hmm. which will mostly probably be outdoors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's going to cut costs. Yes. And then possibly Tanchico. Ooh. Like a late and a naive head to Tanchico. Yeah, something like that. As opposed to like being in tier and catching the two Aes Sedai or Black Aja sisters that are there. They could move that to any location. Like, it doesn't have to be... I guess I'm saying, like, more the Tanchico plot okay. versus, like, the literal place. Yeah. You could put that Black Aja hunting and the Mogidian fighting, like, the Panarch's palace yep. thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you could move that all in one location. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, like, Tanchico or wherever. It right. could be wherever they want it to be. Yeah. They could combine it all in one place, yeah. if that makes sense. I wanted to, like, because, yes, I agree with you, first of all. I'm thinking almost exactly along the same lines with you as far as locations. And it would be so fun for the audience to be pulled into the Aiel Waste because it is so different from everything we've gotten so far. And again, like like you mentioned, the cost would be so much lower. Like the grandest structure we would have or structures would be Ruidian and then maybe Cold Rock's Hold. Mm-hmm. Like that would be about it. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have like sweat tents and stuff. That's great. That's awesome in terms of like money saving. Yeah. Hmm. I'm getting like really ahead of myself thinking about season three already, and I think we should dial it back and yeah, rein it in so, and it's go so, back to the episode. It's <laughs> so hard, though, because I mean, seriously, like I can't help but think about like, especially after watching it, like where are they going to go? And like, ah, okay, I can, I can pull back with you. I can do it. I can do it. We're good. I want to get to something that I really enjoyed, and that was this whole cascade effect mm. of. I can't remember if it was a second episode or third where Varen mm. is on to the Dragon Reborn and mm-hmm. Moraine's like, I'm going to pull out a knife. <laughs> yeah. Varen kind of locks it back a little bit. Everything's yep. good. They're mm-hmm. on good terms. Mm-hmm. We then have Varen in the White Tower and she suspects the Black Aja is there. Yep. Which in turn creates this environment for when she gets to Kyrian. Mm-hmm. She knows something's up. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling, okay, big spoilers, major spoilers here for people, but mm-hmm. we're, we're going to talk about Varen. So there's two ways to do this. She could be following 
Black Aja orders in mm-hmm. this moment mm-hmm. where she goes to Moraine and she's getting the Dragon Reborn free, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also we know Varen, the double agent that she is, she could also be like, oh crap, the Aes Sedai are here. Somebody's probably a Black Aja. She's probably got eyes on Leandrin. Mm-hmm. She knows something's up, so she has to make a decision. Mm-hmm. So she chooses to free Rand. Mm-hmm. Now, her wording in that moment is suspect. Mm-hmm. None of it is a lie, but right. it's suspect. Mm-hmm. Everything she says, you can kind of look at it and see where she's kind of exaggerating and just being, you know, I said I sneaky. Yeah. So anyways, we get Rand out. This happens. They run off. Tomas is missing at the same time that Matt gets whacked over the head. Ooh. Sus. Ooh. We've got the moment that Leanne goes back to Swan and says, oh, hey, Baron said, <laughs> uh, Baron said you sent for me or whatever. And Swan's like, oh, crap. She lied. And so Swan goes running, finds more rain just at the nick of time. She has to assume, she probably assumes Varen lied. So now she's got her, like, red flag. Like, it's happening. Something's up. Something's wrong. Swan gets there. She's already assuming that people are lying. She's probably already suspecting Black Aja. Mm -hmm. And then she gets there and Moraine is channeling after Moraine just told her she was stilled. Mm -hmm. So this entire like snowball effect going all the way back to like episode Mm -hmm. two was just it was really complex and it was really masterful Mm -hmm. and i'm so appreciative of stuff like this Mm -hmm. because it is not easy to like make all of that line up Mm -hmm. and make it make sense and also make it subtle Mm -hmm. and not make it too dumbed down so it's like you don't want to treat your audience like they're idiots like you want to have that kind of Mm -hmm. like mystery aspect to it where people on the rewatch or maybe the third watch or the fourth watch Mm -hmm. they're like oh Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. like now i see what's happening yep now i'm really getting it yeah and that's the type of stuff for me where when i can point to the show and say they're doing something really well right here, yes. and it makes me happy. Yes. Sorry, that was so long-winded. No, I loved it. That was really it. hard to get out. <laughs> I loved it. The only thing that I wanted to say is, okay, so Varen doesn't actually say that the Amarillin has sent her. She says the Amarillin needs her strength. Requires her, yeah, strength. Yeah, so she's not saying anything that isn't no, true. she does. It's truth. And then she, when the next line is, I have been sent to look after the boy, which. Yeah, sure. Probably anyone but, could have sent her. Anyone could have sent her Black to Black Aja, her, her warder could have said it before he left. Yeah, you go know? check on Rand. She right. doesn't say that any authority figure has done it. She and then just she, says, I have been yeah. sent. And Moraine is even like, you use your words very, like, skillfully sister and it's like yeah she did yeah she did and it makes it so that like truth is in question without a doubt but Varen, like i don't think she lies it's the exact same scenario that she gives in the great hunt where mm-hmm. everyone's like oh she lied because she said moraine sent me right i tend to disagree with that i don't think that Varen lied yeah. like in retrospect after rereading that chapter multiple times mm-hmm. If you look at the chapter previous mm-hmm. to that, where Varen is with Moraine and Swan, they're talking about the horn and the dagger. Mm-hmm. And I think Swan is like, we need to do something. We need to get those items. Right. Or Moraine says it, not Swan. So, like, technically, she could say mm-hmm. Moraine sent her mm-hmm. to get the items. Yep. But that's a whole nother. Skirting the truth the way that I said I do. Right. It's just fun. It's really fun to see yes, that. I agree with you. I thought you said that really well. So Tatara says, can you tell how Swan compulsed Moraine to close the gate? Oof. I heard some people say because of the oath rod. Yes. yes. So the oath rod is a Tarangriol from the Age of Legends that was actually used in that time as something called a binder. Mm-hmm. 
it's something that they would make criminals swear on mm-hmm. so that they never do those bad deeds ever again. Right. So, like, say you're a thief and you just keep robbing people. Well, they would haul you in and make you swear on this rod yeah. to never do it again. Yeah. And then you can't. So that's what the oath rod of the White Tower is. And in season one, Moraine swore on it to obey Swan Sanjay. So mm-hmm. Swan made good on that oath. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it, it's very similar to compulsion. Yeah. I thought that scene was so well done. I loved how Moraine looked like a wind-up doll. It yes. looked so creepy. Yes. Creepy. Yes. We already know that the oath rod makes it so that they can't lie, but that's something, and I mean the other things as well that like restrict what they can and cannot do, but to see what it can do to a person physically was just creepy. It was creepy. It was so well done. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. To watch <laughs> Maureen being like, if you ever loved me, and Swan being like, I command you. Oh, my heart. Yeah, that was, that ending was very unexpected for me. Same. The previous episode, we had the one very short channeling lesson between Rand and Logan, yeah. and I was worried when that happened because i was like "Uh uh-oh i hope that's not it before balm and the battle right because wow like that would be terrible a little bit like not that's not enough right yeah never in my wildest dreams did i think that this channeling lesson with Logain was going to be the precursor to rand cutting the knot yeah yeah because that boy ain't ready. Right. Like, he, he ain't ready for that. Mm. There's, <laughs> I mean, the shock, like the absolute shock of Moraine Sedai when Landa's like, yo, Ishamayel, you standing weaves, like standing flows. Yeah. It's, he tied a knot. Yeah. And shielded you and walked away. Yeah. Like this is like God tier yeah. stuff. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll just have Rand fix it. <laughs> it's Rand who's like, <laughs> uh, he couldn't. He couldn't even stand toe to toe with Swan Sanchez. So. And they're like, you're not skilled enough to cut this knot apart. You're just gonna have to like crudely cut it. And it's like, oh, okay. Poor Rand. That was a little convenient, but mm-hmm. I guess you could always chalk it up to the pattern needing what the pattern once yeah what would have been very cool is have him having like a flashback of like a loose theron moment where he's like remembering oh that would have been mm. interesting mm. yeah rian's not ready for this like you said that low gain scene from the previous episode i wanted him to do something other than just stand there and hold the power and like that's all he's really done so far and now they're in the ways on their way to Falm with Lanfear. <laughs> That's going to be entertaining. That's going to be entertaining. What? What? I love it, but it was so unexpected. So unexpected. I was like, did they just walk through that way gate with Lanfear? Honestly, though, like, I don't, I think it's humorous. Mm-hmm. But only because, like, I know, like, in the books, like, that's not anything that would ever happen. But mm-hmm. we have to, like, envision this as its own separate entity. So, like, so true. in the realm of the TV show, mm-hmm. I don't think it is that wild. Yeah, that's true. Because Landry does have this, like, sly kind of, I don't know, like, she's a little bit more of a trickster. She's a little bit more, like, playful. Yeah. I think. <laughs> And I think, too, like, this is a good opportunity to build up more of this rivalry between the two before she, Moraine, you know, Blue 32 tackles Lanfear into another dimension. Right. Yes. I think it's time we talk about Matt, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
How, how where would you like to start? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are they doing? First it's Lanfear who's like I brought you here and that's how I did it. That's on me. You don't get to know. And then Shamael shows up and he's making Matt tea and talking about past lives and not sleeping well and Matt, <laughs> that line, is this a sex thing? Or are you going to murder me? Either way, I could do without the talking. Like, little things like that make him feel so Matt-like. And I've been enjoying that a lot. But this whole tea, see your past lives thing, let me croon and caress you to become a dark friend flavor. I just, I'm... I'm baffled. I actually enjoyed that set the most. They've used it multiple times. It's the same set where mm-hmm. Ishamael and Lanfear are in Telerion. Mm-hmm. So when they showed Matt drinking the tea, I was like, oh, clearly, like, this is just Ishamael messing with him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he might not actually be. Mm in the waking world right now. Matt could be tripping balls and tell her <laughs> mm-hmm. The tea could have just made him fall asleep mm-hmm. and then like we're in tell I think Lanfear really did transport him. Mm-hmm. And I do like that she transported him in this instance mm-hmm. but didn't transport Rand mm-hmm. and like instead went through the ways because if Moraine would have seen that traveling weave, mm. oh boy. But there's multiple questions around Matt and the tea. Yeah. I want to believe that the tea didn't actually do anything except for put him to sleep. Yeah. And like everything else is just Ishamayel messing with him. Yeah. Trying to get him to go along with Mm -hmm. what Ishamayel wants him to do. Make Mm. Matt believe that he's just this, you know, big piece of crap. Yeah. Which, not to hate on our dear boy Matram, but... Up until this point, he kind of has been. Yes. He's yes, really yes. not been a yep. caring, kind, emotionally mm-hmm. mature person. Right. He just, you know, he's like, oh, I'll, he'll just make some, you know, is this a sex thing or a killing thing? Yes. Like, he just makes some, like, lewd wisecracks, and you're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But to book readers, you know, like us, it's like, oh, like, there's that there's that little bit of Matt in there. Yeah. But to people who are only watching the show, Ooh, I yeah. don't think anyone cares about Matt or likes Matt Ooh. or wants to like Matt. Ooh. That's interesting. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, has he done anything except for being like a big brother? No. That makes him compassionate? I think the best moment we have had with him so far was his reconnection with rand in episode six yeah and like i just want to say one thing like i don't think it is character butchering i think that it is very deliberate and making him look like a piece of crap that way he can get a hero arc yes that way he can be yeah a dark or morally gray character Mm -hmm. that you end up cheering for in the end because those are the best characters. I mean, like, look at somebody like the Hound from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Like, the dude kills children. Mm -hmm. He's basically, like, just going on the orders of the king, slaughtering people. Terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a terrible person. Yeah. Nobody likes... Nobody likes him in the beginning. Mm -hmm. People hope he dies. And then, like, he gets this whole journey, and by the end of it, you're like, oh, my God, like... Wow. Yes. Wow. So, like, I do tend to disagree with, like, that's character butchering because we don't know mm-hmm. where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And it is very likely that like, they have planned, like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, we are going to darken him up. We are going to make him a bit of an asshole. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. If he's just, like, this lovable scamp from the beginning to right. the end, yeah. is there character development mm-hmm. there? No. Will we be connected to him in the same way? No. That was one of the things that I was thinking about, like, after that whole dream sequence that he goes through and seeing this repeat, very dark part of his persona come through over and over again. 
And I was like, what if, <laughs> what if instead of him being like, oh my gosh, I'm totally doomed to do this over and over again, Matt's like, you know what? No. No. If that's what I've always done, I'm going to do it different this time. I'm going to make different choices. I'm going to be better. I feel well, like yeah, that's the same situation as the portal stones. Mm-hmm. Like he sees exactly. all of the past and future and parallel selves and he's like, "Uh, yep, we're going to we're going to try something else." Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm hoping that they're going to push through for this last episode. We start getting Matt as the I'm no bloody hero Matt that is so fun to follow along. Right. Like, let's be real. He's going to blow the horn of Valier. Right. He's going to do something heroic. Right. If they changed that, it would be lunacy. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Right. But then, like, coming off the heels of that, like, if you go into the Shadow Rising, like, he, you know, I'm leaving. I'm off. I'm out of here. Yeah. He can't. He has to stay. Yeah. He has to protect. Yeah. That's just the way his character grows. And I'm going to be honest. The first two books, I did not give a crap about Matt Cawthon. Yeah. I thought he was lame. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't care about this character. I was perplexed, like, stupefied why anyone would like him. Mm-hmm. Those first two books, he's a totally different character. Yes. So, like, when we're sitting here talking about Matt and we're thinking of, you know, like, book six Matt, yes. book eight Matt, <laughs> book ten Matt. Book 14 Matt. It is a totally different person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, I don't think... You can judge mm-hmm. season one and two, Matt. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, can, you absolutely can yeah. judge him because he's an asshole. But yeah. I don't think you can judge, like, where they're taking him. Yeah. He keeps getting kind of, like, punched down, too. Like, the betrayal he feels from in the crappy way his parents treat him. He hasn't exactly had this nurturing, caring, loving upbringing either. So. There is every reason for him to take this path. But as like character development goes, if we want people to like Matt, Matt needs to start becoming the Matt that he is in the books. I'm really excited to see how that's going to happen. Because I honestly think that Donald Finn is doing a very good job of being Matt. I don't know how other people feel, but I like him. Yeah, he's great. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he's a fun character. I'm glad. I hear what people in chat are saying, but like, I really disagree. Like, people getting really pissed off, being like, "They're murdering my boy! Like my boy! Mm-hmm. Like they're killing him! Mm-hmm. What a disgrace!" Like, I don't know, man. Like, to me, it just feels more like a slow rolling of like mm-hmm. the power. You can't just start them out with their full like power level like all of the luck on matt's side or perrin being like super wolf brother like Mm -hmm. you know like we're getting little hints of it here and there matt is just he's the questionable one Mm -hmm. out of the three because if the finale is not fun like if matt doesn't blow the horn of valier or if he does and it is not exciting or feel like a climax Mm -hmm. or feel like a good like character wrap up Mm -hmm. That's when we can say, okay, like, there might have been some things here that they should have done differently. Mm -hmm. But I'm not comfortable saying that until I see everything as a whole. And I think that's fair. I think that's the more logical choice. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I am excited about the next episode. Yeah. The preview for the next episode was the best Mm -hmm. one out of all of them. Mm I think that this second season has been, I think it's been really fulfilling and satisfying. Is it page for page, the book on the screen? It's not, and I love that. It has surprised me multiple times Mm -hmm. when I didn't think that I could be surprised, especially after season one. Right? (laughs) And I mean, season one just, man, things were not working in the favor of the show, but... That's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. I do want to say before we finish up on like plots of this episode mm-hmm. that Nynaeve and Elaine mm. Mm. 
and loyal were like so wonderful. I could have let that <laughs> plotline go on the whole episode. <sighs> like if I would have gotten an hour mm-hmm. of just them wandering around Falm mm-hmm. and talking to people mm-hmm. and like that dynamic, I would have loved it. Yes. It is wild how just these short little scenes where I'm like, no, go back. (laughs) Yes. Go back over there. Yes. Yeah. I I love Moraine and Swan Sanche. Like, I love this character. I love love them so much. Mm -hmm. I love their relationship. Mm -hmm. But the heartbreak and, like, the sadness, like, I feel like I just emotionally was, like, "Mm, not into it. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't feeling the sadness over there. And I'm like, let's pick things back up and go check on our gals and Falm Mm -hmm. and see what Loyal's been up to. Mm. What's going on with Inktar? Yes. Like, what's happening with High Lady Suroth? Like, it's, yep. it's just, I don't know. There's so many characters, mm-hmm. and it is just, like, so much is happening. Yeah. So much. Mm-hmm. That was one of my big things was, like, where's, where's Inktar? We haven't, like, seen Inktar. Loyal and Elaine were just adorable, and Nynaeve just being, like, don't encourage her, and Loyal like just being loyal it was it was adorable and again this is another episode with like the face acting saying so much in every scene that short scene with elaine and nynaeve and falm where she's like elaine says we tried things your way we're doing things my way and nynaeve's face after that it's like a whole paragraph of how Nynaeve feels on the inside about the situation. I just thought it was really well done. I wish scenes were much longer, but for how compact they are, I feel like there is a good amount of who the characters are and how they're feeling being portrayed really well. I think so, anyway. Yeah, I think it's it's obviously going to be different for everyone you know especially the non-book readers like who they're feeling pulled towards Mm -hmm. as far as characters go it's really exciting to see like a whole new group of people coming into the show and being interested in it and honestly not giving a crap what book readers have to say Mm -hmm. because honestly like two different entities Mm -hmm. like i could complain till I'm blue in the face of every teeny tiny thing that was like I don't like this you know like it's different Mm -hmm. but the reality is is that (laughs) the show is something different Mm -hmm. like it is its own thing Mm -hmm. so inspired by more than well yeah you know fully adapted into yeah and and that's the thing like we don't know exactly how the season is going to end Mm -hmm. so who knows? Like, if the finale is not good, I'll I'll say mm-hmm. it. But so far, I don't think that it can be. I don't think it can be bad yeah, considering what they've given mm-hmm. us. I agree. There's some things that I would really love to get a concrete explanation on. Mm. I would really love to know more about Ishamael and Lanfear mm-hmm. and what, mostly what Ishamael's plans are. Yeah. Like, we know in the books he's not trying to kill Rand. Right. He's just trying to convert him. Right. But, like, he's saying things, you know, like, I'm going to get all your friends and I'm going to turn them to the dark. And it's like, in the books, you can do that, you know, mm-hmm. like, literally turn them to the dark yeah. with your circle of Merjal and channelers. But in this instance, I don't know exactly what he's getting at. Mm-hmm. And I would really love to know, like, a concrete definitive answer of like what his game is Mm. what he's playing yeah i will say i was not expecting to be so won over by ashamael this season yeah like he shows up in the end of season one and it's like oh yeah that guy yeah like this feels like a whole different character and a much better character yes every time ashamael steps up onto a scene i'm like okay like you've got my attention what is he gonna say next yeah he's charming yeah you don't know if you're gonna get the deep thinker or the manipulator you know father of lies yeah daddy of lies as i've been calling him (laughs) or if you're gonna get like you said this charming kind of playful jokester 
it's great. I didn't expect to love Leandrin in season one. Mm-hmm. Now here we are in season two mm-hmm. where it's like love Leandrin, mm-hmm. love Ashamael. Yeah. Actually really enjoying Lanfear so yes. much more than the books. Yes. Where it's like, okay, I guess I'm here for the baddies now. So yeah. that's different. <laughs> I am enjoying Lanfear so much more than I was expecting to. Like her just rampaging through the foregate in such a sardonic way when she's like 3,000 years and here I am again and like just blows shit up and has like that half smile. Like Natasha O'Keefe is just, I love how she's playing Lanfear and I was definitely not expecting that. Oh, and she's finally wearing kind of like Lanfear-esque gear, like the silver and white. It's so... It's so good. I love her costume. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. And they just keep getting better. Yeah, I agree. Every episode, I'm just like, oh, and this is better than the last episode. I have high hopes for our last episode, which would be really nice considering end of season one, episode eight, where it was like, oh, <laughs> Oh. Yeah. I don't want to put that bad juju out into the universe. <laughs> uh, the other thing about talking about how like the show is a separate entity, because I really do like that idea, is that the Wheel of Time series is huge. It's 14 books long, and they're not like these little tiny books. They are monster-sized books. This is a commitment. So I can totally understand where people are like, you know what? Don't care. Like, if this is the source material and this is the TV show that I get, I am loving this TV show and I will probably never read the books. And that's fair. Like, let's be honest. Like, some of the chapters in the books, too, like, girl, you could condense that. Oh, my God. Jordan was just writing and writing and writing. Oh, my gosh. There are so many things where it's like, yeah, that... That goes on for a while. Yes. They don't need to be that long, like, Mm-mm. to be good. No. Nope. Honestly, if they would have been condensed a little bit more, they probably would have been better. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, eight episodes for a whole season feels, like, far too short. Totally. So. Yeah. Tyler Tatar put in chat book seven through ten condense. And actually, yes. yes. I think they will. I think they have to. Like, there's just so much in there that just drags on and on. I think 8, 9, 10 is probably the more. I can see there being, like, a very, like, with Uno's death, I wonder about certain things that will happen later on with Elaine and Nynaeve when they're supposed to, like, meet up with the Shinaran soldiers again. Will that mean that we don't get Val and Luca's carnival show? Like, Will that be taken out to make more room? Would I be sad? Sure. But would it potentially be necessary? Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see where it goes. All I do know is that I'm really excited for the finale. Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that they can make good on their, what did they say, like, the biggest battle yeah. you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> like That's a lot all of right. hype. All right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Director, lady, I forget your name that said that in an interview. I'm here for it. I want to know what they've got. I agree. Oh, I have a question for you, because uh, we talked about Barthanis earlier, and at the end of the scene, after Anvera has walked away and the guards show up, are they guards or are they going to kill him? I had the same question. Okay. Here's the thing. If they're not there to kill him and they don't kill him, I f- have a feeling he's getting out. Mm-hmm. Like, he has friends in high places. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they could stop someone like Leandrin. No. When they showed up and they were all like, holding their pikes and they were standing in front of the door i was like well if they were guarding they would have turned their back to the door but they're all standing in front of the door so i'm like are they gonna go in and stab him to death i do love how cold like and tactical and 
heartless Lady Enver was because yep. he was like, whatever you do, don't tell the queen. And like, she's and like, she's like, already did. I've already narked on you, yeah. child. Like, you think I was going to keep that to myself? I'm not stupid. That was another part that kind of played out. I think pretty close to like how we thought it would in some ways. Like, it was him becoming a dark friend so that he could you know, reestablish his family name and, you know, how how else was he going to become king of Kyrian if he didn't, like, become a dark friend and use those networking opportunities, I guess, to, like, make that match happen. It was so fast. It was so fast. And then I was like, yeah. is he dead now? So then if that happens, we are not getting a royal wedding. Boo. But what is going to happen that brings about the civil war in Kyrian? Well, I mean, destroying the foregate might start it. I don't think any of these people have homes to live in anymore, so that could be something. It could be. In the book, it's, um, how does the fire start? The killing of Galdrian by Tom. Yeah. I wonder if they'll somehow include that and what would prompt it if that was like included in the thing. Because we've had this Queen Galdrian mentioned. We haven't met her yet. Oh, I wonder if we'll meet her in episode eight. I don't know if there's a reason to. I almost feel like it would be a bad idea to go back to Kyrian. Yeah? There's so much they gotta do. There's so much happening this episode. They, I want them to spend the majority chunk of the time on rescuing Egwene, mm-hmm. loyal mm-hmm. Ingtar, mm-hmm. and then we still have, you know, Lanfear and Moraine and Rand's journey through the ways, so yeah. that's going to take time. I did want to ask another question. When Rena comes in to wash Egwene's hands and tell her about this higher purpose that they have that totally justifies them enslaving women who can channel. Egwene's braiding her hair. And I loved everything about that scene. I thought it was really, really well done. Is she putting a Two Rivers Edmonds Field braid back in her hair? I would assume. That's what it felt like to me, and I really liked that because I actually, from season one, I think one of my favorite scenes still is Egwene's braiding ceremony and what Nynaeve tells her. Like, it pulls at my heart just thinking about it and then thinking about Egwene braiding her hair like that, thinking about the women who have gone before her who have struggled and she's establishing that connection with her past, with her life, with who she is, where she comes from, with her hair. I really loved that. And then her so gently telling Rena that she would kill her. Yeah. Mm. I'm more excited to see the reveal of the damani yes. Soldan relationship. Yep. Me too. When Nynaeve collars that Soldam, like that moment, and it like forms all. I was around so her. hyped for that. I was <gasps> so hyped for that. And then Elaine whacking the woman right over the head. I was like, "Girl, yes." Uh, I I'm not I'm not so you know quick to con- condone violence, but yeah, man, that made me happy. <laughs> same, same. That was the one time where like it actually kind of made sense. Like they're two young women. This is another person. Like, how else are they going to, like, take care of her? I, I guess. Oh, cause, and they can't channel because it would attract attention. So what else are they going to do? So that one made sense Correcto. to me. It was like, yeah. The only thing that, that was missing was, like, the, uh, the domine that got away and, like, punched the soul dom in the face and Elaine being like, good for you. Like, I love that part in the book. We did actually get the cat crosses the courtyard, but it was not what it was did in the book. Did we, though? Yeah, yeah. Did we, though? Yeah, did yeah. I was like, oh. Like, I wanted it, and then when it happened, I was like, y- you actually could have left it out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, well... <laughs> That was a couple minutes of time. 
Uh, Because, I mean, the thing that I love about that is that Lan and Rand are doing this together. I was just waiting for the swag walk, and it didn't happen. Yes. Disappointing. Disappointing. Disappointing we didn't get the Conor McGregor walk. (laughs) Uh, Tough guy walk. It's okay. It's okay. I... I was actually surprised when Swan decided to follow the rules and shield Rand. That was the part that surprised me. When she started talking about what she was expected to do, I was totally expecting her to be like, but I'm not going to do that. And then that was going to be the thing that like led to her being deposed later on. And that's not what happened. I expected something really bad with swan and moraine so when she said that i was like okay yeah that i mean that fits i don't know just the beginning felt like it was too whimsical the beginning like we love each other everything's gonna be great for us (laughs) and i was like oh no (laughs) this is not gonna be good this is not gonna be good but i don't know i didn't really have much more for this episode it was good like i was a little nervous about it after that release of the matt dream sequence clip i was like oh man what am i going to be watching when this comes out thursday night and then it, like as a whole it was very satisfying so i feel as though i have every reason to hope for a really good finale well i mean to be fair that was a really strange choice for like a pre-release clip they chose it because it doesn't really give anything away mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, because it doesn't give anything away, mm-hmm. like, it almost feels, like, non-essential to the story. Yeah. So I'm hoping that I'm wrong about that, and there will be, like, a big reveal yeah. about yeah, it. Yeah, me too. And longer than an hour for this episode. Can I hope? Can I hope for that? We shall see. We shall see. Awesome. No, I'm good. That was so fun. And, I mean, I'm... I'm just so excited. It's it's that it's that whole I'm so excited for Thursday thing again. I'm like, is it Thursday yet? <sighs> All right. <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up here. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us on the road to Tarvalin. And we will see you back for the finale. Sounds good. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.